Welcome to Evolution in Controls. I'm your host, Tim Wilson. Thank you for joining us. There's an old expression that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We use it in business to describe the idea that a situation or problem that makes the most noise usually gets the most attention. It's an apt metaphor, but what if it's not just a metaphor? Here on Evolution in Controls, we talk about technology and how it solves problems. So what do we do when the squeak or the most noise is actually coming from a wheel. What can we do about squeaky wheels? The mobile industry has an unusual set of operating conditions. Contamination, vibration, high noise level, no fixed location. Everything that the piece of equipment needs must be carried along with it. And given the environment, audible indication of impending failure is often missed. You may not be able to hear the squeaky wheel. The answer is to use technology to grease the wheel before it gets squeaky. Here to talk with us about a solution to this problem is Mr. Paul Tremel, Director of Sales for Graco's Lubrication Division, and Mr. Kyle Lorch, Mobile Market Manager for Morel. Guys, thank you for joining us. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Tim. Great to be here. Kyle, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been with Morel? Yeah, my name is Kyle Lorch from Morel. Been here for just about 10 years now, focusing on the mobile industry. Okay. Uh, you're located in? Uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Grand Rapids, all right. Michigan based. Paul, tell us about yourself. Yeah, Tim, I've uh, been with Graco for just over 15 years now. Um, okay. Started out in our production environment, working in the factories, and then kind Getting of- your hands dirty, greasy. As much as I like to think so, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, done that for a while, and then I worked into a production um, product manager role into the sales side of the business, so. Well, great. Well, we're here to talk about lubrication. Tell us a little bit about Graco first. Let's start there. You know, it's funny that we're here talking about lubrication and that's really how Graco got founded. You know, so Graco was founded in 1926 and the whole uh, idea behind it was there are two brothers in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So you guys get it here in Michigan, cold winters. And what they were looking for was a better way to grease the automobile. So they founded an um, automatic or a powered grease gun, air powered grease gun to lubricate automobiles in Minneapolis. Here we are almost 100 years later, and we're still heavily involved in the lubrication space. So the, the very foundation of Graco was mobile lubrication. That's correct, mobile They're, lubrication. The guys were worried about a squeaky wheel, exactly. I guess. Well, um, you know, why is, so they were focused on lubrication. Why is lubrication so important? Let's start really basic. Going back to like even the 1926 when the company was founded, right? So they wanted to grease cars so they could run longer, run better, right, more efficient operations. And that's the same thing we're seeing today, is the importance of lubrication allows the equipment we use on an everyday basis to work more efficiently, work longer, last longer for our customers. So it's not just about failing, it's about lasting longer? Correct, it's about preventing those failures from the beginning. Is, is mobile, so my background is industrial, is mobile really that much different than an industrial machine, a car, than a milling machine? So I'd say mobile and industrial, the automatic lubrication is very similar. What we're trying to do is the right amount of grease into the correct spot, you know, at the right frequency. Mobile does present some more challenges though. So if we're looking at the mobile environment here, um, the equipment is outside, so we have to deal with uh, environmental weather. Um, it's also a lot of moving and articulating pieces, so there's uh, more opportunities for stuff to break and uh, to get damaged in the process. So I would say that uh, while the overall idea of automatic lubrication is the same, uh, the demands of a mobile environment can be a little bit more great. Okay, 
are the number of points to lubricate, are they different, are they about the same, is there more lubrication required on mobile? It depends on the application. So I would say sometimes in mobile applications though, the, where the lube points are located are actually more difficult to access. So they could be on top of something, under something, or more importantly behind guards that cannot be taken off easily. So, You know another thing that's interesting when you say that too is when we think about industrial lubrication, yeah. Those machines aren't moving around, so that grease point kind of stays in the same spot. Yeah. Now, when we're talking about mobile lubrication, we have equipment that could be, you know, traveling a you know, radius of 150, 200 miles. So that creates a whole other variable of who's going to do the lubrication, right? How does that piece of equipment get lubricated? Who's responsible for it? So there is a little bit more complication to it that um, benefits from having an automatic lubrication system on it. So that's an important point in manual versus automatic lubrication. It may not be in the same spot. Are there other issues in manual versus automatic? Yeah, so manual lubrication has been around forever and there are differences between manual and automatic lubrication. Um, with automatic lubrication, you're trying to get the right amount of grease at the right time. Where in manual lubrication, you usually do it on a set time period, 100 hours, 500 hours, once a week, whatever it is. And the person who's doing the lubricating will go and go up to a greaser and just pump it. Usually pump it till it pukes. The downside to that is you get a bunch of grease in it from the beginning and then all of a sudden the grease starts coming out of the bearing and then at some point the bearing has almost no grease in it and could fail. Is, is it bad to pump it until it pukes? It's funny. But... Yeah, yeah, it's bad to pump it until it pukes because what you're doing is then you're going to have a glob of grease on the outside of the bearing and then a bunch of contamination, dirt, grime just sticks to the bearing and then it can work its way in the bearing and then you're going to have premature failures. So yeah, when you think about that manual lubrication, it's really feast or famine, right? So when someone fills that bearing up and they put that grease in, they way over lubricate it. And then it's gonna work its way down until a point where it's in the optimal zone. And then shortly after that, it's gonna be past that optimal zone and now it's running low on grease and it could cause premature wear. So when you think about an automatic lubrication, what we're trying to do is kind of maintain that lubrication cycle right in that optimal zone. Does the, in a manual case, does the operator of the gun, does he know how much lubrication each bearing point should take? Does it differ? It depends. So um, on some piece of equipment and the service manual, it might say how many, how many pumps of grease and how often it needs to be greased. But usually that's not the case. Um, the downside to it as well is if you do a manual location, you're not guaranteeing that you're hitting every single grease point. A lot of stuff is hard to access. Um, and they probably are not hitting the parts and then you're getting premature failures. And there's no way to control that he did pump the gun twice instead of three times. Correct. And there's also the safety aspect behind it too. So when you do a manual lubrication, you're climbing all over the machine, you're taking guards off that sometimes the bearings are covered by. So are the guards going back on? Is the operator, you know, going on top and under the machine? Is that safe at the end of the day? Well, and to be honest, a lot of these points may require a lockout tagout procedure to properly lubricate it. You oh, know? really? So in some of those situations... Manually. Um, manually. If you're doing it manually. That's correct. Yep. So you have a couple different situations that could arise there. So either they're not following lockout takeout procedures, right, because they're in a hurry, which obviously is a very dangerous environment, something that we want to avoid. The other thing is, is they may just skip that lubrication cycle altogether because production's too important. So with a manual lubrication, you know, you're probably going to have to either shut down that piece of equipment and do a proper lockout takeout or work in an unsafe manner. Now with an automatic lubrication system, when you have that system connected properly, you can still do the lubrications while the machine is running. Okay, so you're making the case for automatic versus manual lubrication. Who is automatic lubrication most important to? Is it the, the machine builder or is it the end user, the guy running it? I would say it's both. So 
Okay. I would say on the OEM case, it's very important on the warranty aspect of the machine. When you build a machine, you ship it out, you might have a one, two, three year warranty. How are you guaranteeing that the end user that you sold the machine to is actually lubricating the machine properly? Is he putting enough in? With an automatic lubrication system, you're kind of getting a guarantee that every single point is hit correctly. So you cut down on your warranty costs. You're not replacing bearings. So with no automatic system, you're saying the OEM could be paying for really invalid warranty claims Correct. because they're not maintaining the equipment. Correct. Well, the other thing I will add to that too is just um, for the end user, when you're operating heavy equipment, your biggest goal is just to have that wor equipment working for you, right? I mean, especially in this environment today, everyone's working hard. Um, it's tough to get proper labor. We're, we're short on resources, but the last thing you need is your piece of equipment to go down, you know, possibly down for six hours, possibly down for two weeks. And what we're really trying to do is make sure that they're leveraging and maximizing that equipment that they purchased. Um, the other thing we're seeing is a lot of people are holding onto their equipment longer. You know, so it's tougher to buy new equipment. We understand the supply chain constraints out there. So when you do have a piece of equipment that you're purchasing for a high dollar amount, you do want to make sure that that investment lasts your uh, operations a little bit longer. So the, the, it's money in both cases, but the driving motivation behind the OEM and the end user, there are different reasons Correct. for adopting this. Correct. Is that a challenge as you go out and try to sell and promote lub automatic lubrication systems to both of these two markets? Yeah, I would say definitely on the uh, OEM side, it's trying to cut costs, trying to cut those warranty claims like we talked about. And on the end user side, it's to keep uptime. You don't want machines going down for you know lack of grease and replacing bearings that are sometimes hard to get as well. Yeah, that challenge, I think, once you have a system installed and you start to see it with your own eyes, yeah. becomes a little bit easier to understand. You know, when you talk about that total cost of ownership, or really the cost avoidance of having a failure, then it's a little bit easier. But that upfront is a little bit more of a, a challenge to get, you know, understand. All right. But the return on investment is pretty quick, usually. So. And the return on the investment for the OEM is reduction warranty costs. Correct. Okay. Well, are there other challenges to implementing an automatic lubrication system or are, is there a challenging applications? Yeah, there certainly are very challenging applications. The two that come, I come across most here in actually the Michigan market is snow and ice and forestry. Forestry is difficult, you're out in the woods, stuff is getting thrown around and um, you have all the guards on everything. And snow and ice, those machines get worked really hard during the winter. They're, they're out there 24 hours a day, seven days a week sometimes, especially up in the northwest areas. and. Um, what we find is that bearings and grease points get covered in, covered in snow and ice and they're not getting hit often. So when you have an automatic system on there, the lines are going right to the points and it doesn't matter if it's covered in grease or snow and everything else. So, You know, one application I'll add for the mobile space is garbage trucks. You know, it's one of those things that are such a necessity, they keep us running. Who wants to lube a garbage truck? Right, you think yeah. about, it's a dirty vehicle. So. Um, yeah. But it definitely requires it, and the downtime on a garbage truck is pretty severe. Huh. Um, one question comes to mind. If the system is operating automatically, how do we know that the lubrication is actually happening? Is there indication? Is there reporting? Does that happen yep. to the operator of the vehicle? Yeah, so there is. So um, the systems themselves, they either have some type of switch, either a pressure switch or a cycle switch, to know that the system is operating normally. And there's also a low-level indicator on the pump itself. Usually most systems have a controller inside the cab that the operator can actually monitor when he's running to make sure that the system is working. And it'll give him an alarm when the system is low on grease, so all he has to do is go fill it with grease. So there's technology in there to help with the reporting. I'm guessing the lubrication or systems are different than what the two brothers had 100 years ago. 
what does it look like five years from now? Is there going to be significant change? What, what do you see being different five years from now? Yeah, I think we'll see the space continue to evolve. Um, we're seeing the markets and the expectations of our customers change. Um, as there's more autonomous vehicles, autonomous work, there is um, a struggle to get proper resources and labor. So we're seeing more needs to find ways to automate these processes and make it a little bit more efficient. You know, the point was made about forestry or snow and ice. And when you start thinking about that and you think about the person driving that vehicle, how do they know when the last person manually lubricated something? You know, there's really no good tracking of when someone did the manual lubrication. So what we hear a lot of is people saying, I thought it was lubed, but I don't know. So I, I'm just going to go on the assumption it did get lubricated. So that happens to the second shift driver. And then all of a sudden you go to the third shift driver and all of a sudden they say, you know, do we lubricate that? Yeah, they must have done it, right? They, they stopped for dinner, they probably did it. So what you can see is it can really start compounding itself where with the technology and where we see this continuing to go, it just makes those things, you know, not even a, a concern anymore. Where do you see it at for Morel or just the industry in general five years from now? Yeah, so I see a lot of autonomous vehicles coming around, definitely in the mining industry and other industries where there's no operator at all. So if there's no operator, where, where, where's the grease coming from? So there's not service guys looking at every day. So with on that grease system, it's happening regardless if there's an operator or not. So I see that becoming a trend more in the future. Guys, thank you very much for taking the time to visit us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. To learn more about Graco and their lubrication solutions, visit graco.com slash lubrication equipment. To learn more about Morel and their mobile systems and solutions, visit morel-group.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Evolution in Controls on whatever platform you use for podcasts or on YouTube for a video version so you can be updated when we release new episodes. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm Tim Wilson, and remember, keep moving.